Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brent. And this episode, we're discussing SST 149, the Saccharin Trust LP, Past Lives. We're big fans of Saccharin Trust on the show, so always look forward to having an excuse to dig into their history and also listen to their tunes. And we've got a special guest to help us along the way this week, Brent. Yeah, Devin Sarno's on the show this week. Very cool to have Devin on. Um, I mean, the first track on this record is called Devin's Poem, but there's so much more to get into with Devin and really looking forward to it. Yeah. I got a couple of spiels before we get into the record, Brent. Can I go first? Yeah, man. All right. So I've got kind of three sections, documentaries, podcasts, and recommends. Whoa. You have a podcasts section? I have a, well, podcast singular. Okay. But no literature, hey? No literature this week. I feel like I've been bogging you down with literature, so... (laughs) I thought I might just uh, take a pause there. You've talked about podcasts like three weeks in a row. Yeah, well, there's been some good ones that I've had to check out. So let, let me get let me get at her. Okay. okay? All right. Pitter patter. Let's get at her. Uh, new documentary alert coming out in November on the band Teenage Head called Picture My Face, the story of Teenage Head. I can't wait to see this one, man. Like, I'm sure it's just going to be awesome. It's coming out on TVO Docs. And I think it's in partnership with like the Canada Film Board or something like that. But uh, there's a lot of great footage of Teenage Head in the, uh, well, both versions of the last Pogo documentary. But um, they're long overdue for a full-length film about Teenage Head. There's great guests in it, including some Ramones, for example, and uh, I know that it's just going to be awesome. Yeah, I knew they were making it. I didn't realize it was coming out. That's great news. Yeah, man. About a month or so, I guess. Um, okay, podcast shout out. Nice. Ready? Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this week, Damien's pod turned out a punk, had Bob Mold on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's actually, um, you know, no surprise there. Uh, it's it's a good good episode. Great to check out. Obviously, SST related. Talks about his new record. But the highlight for me was when Bob was just spieling about Canadian punk rock in particular and doing like road trips to Montreal to see gigs when he was a kid. Oh, yeah. So definitely worth checking that out. Um, you know, always love to hear from Bob for sure. And the new record is killer. Great to hear him talk about that, too. All right. Brent, your segment, get this shit off my phone. You last episode, you had some Ryan recommends and I was a bit bummed because I guess they weren't good enough to stay on your phone. So I've got (laughs) a few recommends for you. These are rapid fire and they are 2020 editions because some of them just might show up in my top 10 because I am, uh, I'm already working on my top 10 of the year and man, we've got lots to pick from. So here's rapid fire. Okay. Um, and there's five in a row. Ready? Don't go too fast. I got to write these down. I have my pen out here. Okay. Dip your cockatoo quill in the inkwell and get ready. My friend, it's the only one I own, the only thing that's not okay. on loan. <laughs> Perfect. Um, the exhalants atonements, post-hardcore noise rock from Austin, Texas, 
self-released second full length really good check it out so wait the excellence the the album's atonements the album is called atonements okay. uh second recommend truth cult brand a uh a band from baltimore maryland the record is on pop wig records very dc sounding band okay. um if you if you need some uh fugazi-esque swizz uh red hair-esque type of stuff going on check out truth cult i think i do um, need I was, some of that I'm really dig- yeah i'm really digging that the new record by Mets Brandt is killer. Oh, Atlas Vending. I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Yep. Atlas Vending on Sub Pop just came out. Really, really good. You got to check that out. You need that new Mets record. Um, here is a Stoner Rock Doom recommend for you, man. Okay, you ready? Of course, I'm ready for that. The band is Elephant Tree. I've heard of that before. Yeah, the record is Habits on Holy Roar Records. They're from London. This is their second full length, I think. Um, it's really good. You should check that out. And I think, you know, you probably like that type of music even more than I do. So you should check out that Elephant Tree record. And then uh, this one's not from 2020. I think the first four all are. Exhalance, Truth Cult, Mets, and Elephant Tree. This fifth one, though, I think it goes back to 2010, 2011. The band is trophy wives the album is old scratch louisville kentucky kind of noisy post-hardcore band but if you were digging some of the uh recent ones that i gave you like split red or salvation you should check out trophy wives as well there's my five recommends for you get all of those on your phone i am on it that's it man okay well, here's some shit I'm going to get off my phone so I can make room for, for these recommends. Are you ready? Do you have your pen handy? I've got it. I've got it. Okay, brand new Ryan. This is on the SS Tree. There's a new Slaughter EP. It's called Two. It's the second EP by Stefan Egerton. Um, it's kind of like when I was asking Bill Stevenson about the all-instrumental album. It's like that. You've heard the first Slaughter, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Same guys. Uh, And speaking of all, by the way, the Pummel album has been reissued on vinyl, and I picked up a copy of that. It sounds great. Oh, no way. Did you see that Milo put out his ukulele EP? Yeah, that's cool, too. Okay, here's another thing on the tree also uh, related to Stefan. Seven Degrees of Stefan Egerton. It's a great... I guess, I don't know, compilation album? I don't know, it's not really a comp. I guess it's his album with a bunch of different guests, including Milo, Scott Reynolds, Chad Price, Frank from Big Drill Car. That's really good, too. If people haven't heard that, they should check it out. Yeah, Stefan should put out another record like that, too, these days. He'd be good. Yeah. Scenic Incident at SEMA. Uh, It's Bruce Leitker from Savage Republic. Also, the label is his... Uh, independent project records that this came out on their music is perfect for soundtracks and a couple songs of this record including the title track i believe are used in the opening sequence of the desolation center documentary to great effect scenic really cool sieges even life cycle is the album their 1988 debut super proggy metal similar to early fates warning 
I'm kind of obsessed with this band right now, so Siege is even. Stalag 13, Ryan. Oh, yeah. The In Control EP, 1984. I've actually never heard them before, but their name comes up now and again. You see them on gig posters. I think they came up in the Clifford Dinsmore interview, actually. You see them a lot on the flyers that we sometimes post on our Instagram. Cool hardcore. The lead guitar player in that band just shreds. I don't know too much about them, though. <laughs> okay, here's one that's on the SS tree, Ryan. The Subhumans. This is the superior Canadian version of the band, obviously. Their 2006 comeback record on Alternative Tentacles, New Dark Age Parade. If people haven't heard that, they need to track that down. It's as good as their other two records, in my opinion. Uh, Jerry Hanna, Mike Graham, and Wimpy of course, with John Card on drums. It's too bad Wimpy passed away. It would have been great to have another Subhumans record. Yeah, agreed. That is a great one. Did you see that uh, Jello's new Guantanamo record is out now? Yeah, I checked it out. It's good. Oh, yeah. Do you know the band, Ryan, Sensible Gray Cells? Oh, I don't know. Okay, so it's Paul Gray who joined the band around the era of the Black Album, The Damned, and he played on Strawberries. He's also in the band now again. Uh... And uh, the guitarist vocalist in Sensible Gray Cells is the one and only Ray Burns, a.k.a. Captain Sensible. The Captain, yep. They have one great album that came out in uh, 2013 and a new one on the way. And they've released a single for it on the Damaged Goods label. And if the single is any indication, it's going to be another great record. They kind of take that Who influence that The Damned has and kind of kick it up a notch. Okay, that would be good. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to their f- full length. I think it's coming out this year. Sensible Gray Cells. Oh, and there's a new Damned EP too that's really cool. It's called The Rockfield Files. What? Yeah. I didn't see that. Yep. Okay, here's a recommend for you, Ryan. Shardik is the name of the band. S-H-A-R-D-I-K. Self-titled. I think it's the only one. 2017 on John Zorn's Zadik label. It's another vehicle for Matt Hollenberg's amazing and fiery jazz fusion guitar playing. He plays on the John Frum record I mentioned in the J section. Uh, he plays in the awesome <laughs> band Cleric. Do you know Cleric? I don't. You know, you should check them out too. He plays with Zorn on some of my favorites of his, including two from this year that are both just awesome. Uh, a totally raunchy scronk fest called Baphomet. And then a live recording of the band Simulcrum, which is also totally insane. Uh, that's a band with Matt and John Medeski in it that John Zorn put together. But Shardick, wow. self-titled. And also on the Zadik label, Sweet Unraveling, self-titled album from 2014. It's a little more noisy and avant-garde than the Shardick album, but still a jazz rock bass. A, a cool out-there record on one of in my opinion, the most important and underrated labels in jazz and outsider music. Uh, Stinking Liza Vera, Sacrifice and Bliss. I know you like that band, hey? I don't even... Stinking Liza Vera? Or Liza Vita? I don't even know. I don't know it. No. Oh, I thought we talked about them before. They're like a... maybe. Remind me. Well, they're like a heavy instrumental rock trio from Philadelphia... Uh, great players. They owe a debt for sure to Process of Weeding Out Era Flag. They've got like uh, 10 albums probably. Why doesn't that ring a bell for me at all? That's weird. Yeah. Okay, here's one that's on the SS Tree, Ryan. Shine, the Power Time four-song demo. We talked about this band 
I don't know, a month or two ago. Uh, they ended up changing their name to Spirit Caravan and re-recorded all four of these tracks for their debut album, Jug Full of Sun. And of course, Wino is in that band. Yep, that's good stuff. Yeah, here's a few we talked about recently that some listeners recommended. Sleeper, preparing today for tomorrow's breakdown. Yep. Jeff Kaplan, our pal, is one of the dudes that recommended that. That's good stuff, as is the band they turned into, Serpico. Feel Bad Rainbow is the album that I've tracked down so far. Staten Island band. It's this is Sleeper after they changed their name. Awesome, like dag nasty style nineties punk. Yep. It's all good. I've been digging deep into them since that recommend. And you know what? I had, or at least um when I saw the album cover, I was like, Oh yeah, about Feel Bad Rainbow. Like I knew about yeah. it. I just it's been a long time. It's great to mostly be you know recommended but also kind of be reminded of them yeah okay this is a various a various artists comp i guess but it's called sky music a tribute to turge ripdahl i'm not sure if i'm saying that name right he's like a norwegian jazz avant-garde guy that i don't know anything about but at least i think it's a guy i gotta find out more about about him or her anyways. This came out a few years back on Rune Gramophone. There's two volumes. Volume one is the one I prefer. Both were produced by Henry Kaiser, who initiated the whole project and plays on it. Um, there's a number of guests on it, on it uh, members of Elephant Nine, The Scorch Trio, Bushman's Revenge, Hedvig Mullestad plays on it, Rain Fisk, people from Motorcycle, Jim O'Rourke, Nels Klein, Bill Frizzle, David Torn, they all play on it. That's really good. Uh, the Shrine, Bless Off, 2014 TP Records. I'm not going to put them on the tree, but they've had a few releases produced and recorded by Chuck Dukowski and David Jones of Magnolia Thunderpussy. This album has a song on it called The Duke with lyrics written by Chuck Dukowski. Nice. Kind of good time skate punk with a bit of a stoner rock vibe to it. How is that not on the tree? Well, I guess it is. Does someone need to actually play on it to be on the tree? Well, I don't know. We make the rules. Should that be on the tree? I don't know. If Chuck produced it and there's a song about him? I don't think he produced this particular record. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, it's on the wire. Okay. Sister Goddamn, Ryan. Woo! Amy. Portrait and Crayon. Triple X Records, 1992. The first of two good, solid rock albums by this band. Bruce Duff is in the band, Amy Witchman, Tony Montana, a.k.a. Tony Reflex, a.k.a. Tony Adolescent on vocals. I read about this in Bruce's amazing book and one of the best recommends you've ever made to me <laughs> called The Smell of Death. <laughs> it is a great read. Yeah. Okay, here's a record that's going to come up in the interview with Devin. Solid Eye, Fruits of Automation. It's on his label, Win, came out in 1999. Uh, they were associated with the L.A. Free Music Society. Steve Thompson of Monitor is in the band. Cool, weird, avant-garde, experimental. If you're looking for something weird, solid eye. Mm. Here is my Western Canadian recommend of the week, Ryan. <laughs> the Smalls, Waste and Tragedy. Oh, yeah. So the Smalls were the biggest band on the punk and indie scene for a decade, probably. In Western Canada, they did an insane amount of touring. 
I think they released four records. This is their third and my favorite, Waste and Tragedy. It's definitely the one you want to check out if you've never heard them before. Came out in 1995. They toured like crazy, but just could not catch on anywhere else. They were based out of Edmonton. Great players, riffs galore, amazing vocals, great songs. They were reunited for a tour a few years back as well and also did a documentary. Uh, bassist Cor Blund has gone on to an interesting career in kind of Americana or roots music. Alt country, yeah. Yeah, yeah the Smalls were amazing live. I mean, yeah. you and I probably saw them a dozen times at least, right? They Because they were just such road hogs and they were amazing but they were just different enough not to make it yeah well all their stuff is up on spotify people should check them out the smalls waste and tragedy sylvain sylvain sleep baby doll his killer solo record from 97 no big surprises here just trashy rock and roll in the dolls thunders vein the service america's newest hit makers 1986 pravda this is their debut. I mentioned these dudes a few episodes back as their alter ego band, New Duncan Imperials. This is the REM, like, Birds-style college rock band, The Service. Straw Dogs, Under the Hammer, 1991, Lost and Found. They were a Boston hardcore band. Uh, this is more of their, like, a later rock record. Probably, again, the one everyone who is a fan of this band probably doesn't like this one. And they were the FU's. I think. Oh, they really? Their name. They morphed into the Straw Dogs, or they have some association with the FUs. Okay. Summerlands, self-titled 2016 relapse. One and this is their one and only record, as far as I can tell. This is the band Eternal Champion with a different vocalist. Really catchy, classic heavy metal. Sonny Chirac, Ask the Ages, free jazz guitar innovator, huge influence on Gin and Biza. Played with Miles Pharoah Sanders, who plays on this record. Uh, he was in Material and Last Exit with Bill Laswell, who produced this album, uh, and it also came out on Bill's label, Axiom. If killer jazz rock, not unlike some aspects of Saccharine Trust, is your thing, you should check that record out for sure. Uh, and speaking of jazz rock fusion, I did the new Sun Watchers EP. Just came out, Brave Rats. It's super killer. There's a cover of an Alice Coltrane song, a Sonny Chirac song, actually. Uh, it's really great. Also, they have a new full-length called Oh Yeah on Trouble in Mind that I haven't heard yet. That's it, Ryan. That's my S section. Nice, nice. No uh, adjacent letters this week? No. Wow. All right. Nope. I'm back on track. Whew. That's better. Well, do you uh, want to get into our past lives? Yeah, man. History lesson, part one. All right, Brant. Should I run down the uh, previous Saccharin Trust records and episodes we've had first before we maybe get a bit of an intro into Devon and kick it over to the interview? Sure. As you do that, do you want me to tell you the ballot results from each of those? Ooh, good one. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. So, and I hope I got these right here. SST6, The Pagan Icons. I Am Right is the song we chose. Right. SST24, Surviving You. Always. Speak. Nice. Man, that's a good one. SST46, World Broken. No compromise here. And we had Joe Biza on the show, right? Yes, we did, yep. Right on. SST48, Devin Sarno's 
recommend. We became snakes. Drugstore logic. Oh yeah. I've got the world inside my trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got in there? And uh, we had Joe on that show too, right? Yes, we did. Yeah. Okay. And then SST 84, the Sacramental Element Comp. Yes. The house, the concrete, the system. And we had Jack Brewer and Mark Hodson on that one. Right. And then we also had some Sacron Trust tracks on SST 69, the Chunks compilation. And SST-92, the cracks in the sidewalk comp. Yeah. So, Ryan, uh, Devin gave me a copy of the SST promo kit for this record. And he wrote it. Oh, right on. Like, he wrote the, he wrote kind of the band's history. So, I'm just, I picked out a few things from here. Saccharin Trust simply stated one of the seminal underground rock entities of the 1980s, a musical force so violently creative and free that they stood absolutely alone for their entire seven-year existence. This is the band that cast the shadows, a punk rock band in the purest, most sacred sense of the word. Joaquin Milhouse Brewer, Joe Biza, a marriage of hearts and minds, language and music, Two sheets of steel fused together with flame, spit, and tears. Any individual who has ever seen Sacron Trust live can attest to their uncompromising nature. The sight of Joaquin running through the audience with a seemingly endless microphone cord trailing behind. The audience becoming caught in his web and helplessly tied off while he runs around them in circles. Joe Biza in the shadows dispersing more ferocity and dissonant brutality than should be allowed one individual. Two soft-spoken, unassuming characters from a remote South Bay suburb of Los Angeles. Two snakes in the garden, hissing their secrets of good and evil. And then it kind of talks about how they met. It talks about cracks in the sidewalk, chunks, the future looks bright. Talks about all their albums. Then I'll skip to the end. In November of 1986, however, after seven Hard-fought years of constant touring and songwriting, Brewer and Biza would decide to amicably part ways. What they left behind were the remains of two purged souls. The catharsis of Saccharin Trust would leave them both clear of mind and spirit and ready to confront new projects, Biza's Universal Congress of and Brewer's Jack Brewer Band. Pagan Icons, Surviving You Always, World Broken, and We Became Snakes, the four books, if you will, of the eternal Sacron scriptures. The recorded legacy of this band shall remain forever vital and urgent. Thankfully, two years after the band's demise, Brewer and Biza have given us Past Lives, a final, definitive collection of live ST recordings captured at various phases throughout their seven-year history. The passing of Sacron Trust marks the end of a distinct era. Their music will be sorely missed, but the musicians live on. As a friend and fan, I thank them for their courage and vision. And this was written by Devin C. Sarno, September 1989. Yeah, and Devin's definitely a fan, hey? Like that comes across in the interview. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then there's a list of all the recordings here. There's a list of everyone who is in the band, and it lists the dates of their... So at the top it says, Sacron Trust, October 1979 to November 1986. It's very specific. Yes. What do you say we throw it over to Devin? Sure, man. All right, we're joined on the podcast tonight by Devin Sarno. Devin, thanks for being on the show. Brent, thank you so much for asking me. I really appreciate it. 
So I'm wondering, Devin, if you can take me back to your introduction to the kind of LA spoken word scene. Were you into punk rock at this point or were you into like the spoken word stuff first? Well, I'd say probably spoken word first, but but honestly, they probably ran pretty concurrently. You know, I, I definitely started with with writing and spoken word and, and, you know, live poetry shows and whatnot first before I, I started delving into into bands, playing in bands. But, you know, they really did run side by side. I mean, I was I was seeing shows at that time. And really, this was kind of the time of my first exposure to a lot of, uh, you know, L.A. punk and, and hardcore bands. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, you know, the music really shaped, frankly, my writing and 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 kind of where I went from there. So they're very formative years for sure. Like, when are we talking? When would you have been in high school? Uh, 80 to 84. So you were probably around during some of that Freeway Records era, even, of the, the spoken word scene. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was, okay. a, I was a big fan of, of Harvey Kubernick and, and everything that he was up to. I was yeah. very lucky to have been around for the time that he was doing stuff and exposing people to just a, amazing stable of writers. And Yeah. Very fertile, very fertile time for all of that. And a lot of these artists that we've been talking about on SST, he kind of wrangled them in too to to Absolutely. be a part of that yeah. scene. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, you know, he pushed Rollins into doing you know spoken word stuff early on, and you know, definitely Jack and saw the the raw talent there for sure. Do you know the first time you saw Saccharine Trust? You know, I knew we were going to be talking, and I was trying to remember. And I, I, you know, my memory fails me. But I've seen them so many times over the years. But you know, it probably was around the '84 uh, time period. I think that would be, you know, the Surviving You Always record was. You know, I was I was definitely aware of Pagan Icons, but Surviving You was was really the record that the light bulb went off for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just just so utterly unique to anything else I had heard at the time and you know quite honestly still to this day you know it's so yeah that that record definitely was was the uh the major impact for me with mm-hmm. that band and when did you yourself start playing music um you know right around that time honestly uh my first high school band uh, which didn't last too long uh was right around that time but i guess you know playing in bands in earnest started more in in the college years, um, you know, probably around 86 or so, started getting into some band projects that would actually, you know, be doing live shows and, and recording right. and whatnot. What was your high school band? Dashboard Saints, uh, yeah. which was a pretty fun project. Uh, Cesar Padilla was uh, the lead singer uh, who is still pretty active in the scene and had... Uh, written a book uh several years back um about um punk t-shirts and stuff and he's he's a pretty notorious figure so yeah i mean in the first first show we ever did uh with that band was at the cafe de grand in in la and weren't old enough to be in there but we played a show and were promptly kicked out um (laughs) those those are definitely fun times okay so fast forward to your college years then 
is this when you would have started Waldo the Dogface Boy? That's right, yeah. I had a, a, a band just before that for a bit called uh, Junkyard, um, and then that segued into into Waldo, um, and we were all LMU students together at that time. And what would have been some of the shows that you played early on? Did you kind of have your own scene going, or would, were you playing with you know some of the SST bands as well? That happened over time, um, but initially, yeah, we kind of were on an island by ourselves, I guess, you know, just because, you know, it, it was pretty chaotic. Um, the early days of Waldo, it was really like, you know, we're going to start an improv band. So it was it was complete mayhem. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, it was super fun, but pretty ridiculous in the early days. You know, there was... <laughs> no one really for us to play with and right. we didn't really fit in any particular scene so you know waldo and and eventually the the record label that we started win records was was really because of that you know it's just it was easier for us just to kind of do things up by ourselves and try to pretend like you know there was a label that was going to be interested or or necessarily a scene that was going to adopt us you know so we just kind of built our own thing Let's talk about Win Records. You and Tom Grimley from Waldo the Dogface mm-hmm. Boy formed that label together. Yeah. Yeah. So as I said, you know, we, we went to Loyola Marymount together. And uh, as I also said, that first band I had out of their junkyard, um, our guitar player left at one point and we were auditioning other people. And Tom, we were aware of Tom at, at the school and you know knew he played guitar so we you know offered him to come jam with us and you know he and I at that that first rehearsal clicked immediately and I and I often sort of recount that story because it was unlike really I've had a couple musical experiences that like that in my life um playing with Tom playing with with Nels Klein playing with Carla Bozulich I mean those are you know, moments that I could point to that just were transformative, you know, and clearly Tom was not at all a fit for Junkyard, but he had his own completely unique sound. And I was like, okay, well, I have to play with this guy. (laughs) So I promptly left Junkyard and and Tom and I started playing together and, you know, eventually formed Waldo and, and, you know, this, relationship went on for many many years you know and he's an amazing guy a tremendous partner Mm -hmm. to have you know and and it really worked quite well the two of us you know he took a interest in live uh, sound recording and eventually built his own studio and i was more kind of interested in the business end of things so it was a perfect sort of marriage for starting a label and it, it was amazing too because it offered we were able to offer bands the opportunity to record for for no money right i mean tom had his own studio so it it really worked out uh pretty beautifully people now have no idea what (laughs) what a huge deal that would have been back then it really was and and just you know an amazing uh amazing period of time in so much as it we were able to build a, a really beautiful community of people mm-hmm. that, you know, Tom and I, 
were both uh, probably me more than Tom, but big SST fans, you know, and always this the, the, kind of the ethos of SST was something that, uh, you know, drove me and shaped me and interested me. And, and, and it was, and I'm taking the most ide- idealistic parts of, of what I thought SST was or discord records, you know, right. these, these sort of beautiful communities of, of support and artists and, you know, so we, you know, it was really fun to be able to kind of build that and foster it and, and provide other artists and friends a, a way to get their music out. And, and you know, it, it really was, a, it was just about that for us. I mean, I, we never had a contract with anybody. We didn't want that to, to muck anything up really for us. It was just like, let's, support each other and have fun and make some art you know so mm-hmm. yeah i mean these, these are times that i will i will always cherish you know it was a really really pretty amazing period of time yeah let's talk about some of those artists and some of your projects as well sst alumni jason Kahn, you had a project with we did yeah um jason um had one of his projects was a band called cut with a guitar player, uh, Berger Lowell. And we were able to put out a couple of uh, seven inches from Cut and a, and a full-length CD. Um, and they were also able to come to the States, and we did a tour together at one point. Jason's a longtime friend and just a, a wonderful human. So I, you know, was happy to, to support his project. And it, it felt like a really interesting fit for win also you know mm-hmm. and it was kind of the first time that we were able to to present a band from out of our little la orbit you know right uh danny frankel tell me about danny danny um yeah it's hard to describe danny he's a he's a one of a kind unique brilliant um individual you know he's just one of the warmest, uh, most talented dudes I've, I've ever met. Um, he, you know, he's he's a very uh, successful studio drummer. He's he's played with you know countless countless people, mm-hmm. um, and you know I think LA is is quite lucky that he has you know been around on the underground scene too, and, and given his time and talents to to a lot of you know local. Uh, local projects um but yeah i mean danny's just somebody that we held in the highest regard and you know i think on a whim had asked if he'd want to record something for us not figuring that he'd say yes but he he luckily did so it was fun to do a couple projects with him too yeah petra hayden yeah petra uh as you i'm sure know from the the Hayden family dynasty, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Hayden's, uh, one of Charlie Hayden's uh, children, and uh, just a, a lovely, lovely woman, incredibly talented. We we released a, a solo a cappella record, her, her first one that she's she did, Imaginary Land, um, and then she also had a duo project with Tom called Recess, and you know Waldo also was pretty tight with uh petra's old band that dog yeah uh tom used to record them in the early days and and you know we were 
super close with them and we do shows together and we also did a split 10 inch at one point towards the end of the Waldo days uh, where we each covered each other's songs. And in fact, you know, that 10 inch, um, we did uh, the song Angel from, from that dog. And we actually asked Jack if he would do the, the opening. Uh, he did a little spoken word intro on that. Jack Brewer. For us, which was, yeah, which was great. Right on. Uh, your project, Crib. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, you know, I just I just sort of really stumbled onto doing it um, during the Waldo days. You know, I just, when I had free time, I'd, I'd just be messing around with the bass and, and trying to, you know, I was still, you know, still learning and figuring things out and, and trying to see what, uh, what I could do with the instrument and where I could take it and what different sounds I could get. And I sort of stumbled onto, you know, just a sound that I... I found, uh, you know, sort of interesting and, and wanted to pursue a bit. So, you know, uh, was, was lucky enough that some friends in uh, the band Slug, uh, also LMU alums, um, had a side label of their own called Magnetone. And they offered to put out, you know, my first seven inch, which was super cool of them. And it just sort of, you know, it, it gave me some confidence and sparked me to kind of keep going with it. And, and weirdly, I guess, you know, it, it sort of took on a life of its own. And, you know, to this day, I'm still doing solo bass stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it, again, I really just stumbled on it. It wasn't sort of an objective that I'd had. It just kind of ended up happening. And there was a lot of uh, supportive, gracious people along the way that offered to give me shows or, you know, ask, you know, things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it just, kind of kept going what's a crib record people should check out if they've never heard it um probably i would say remnant and i guess the reason for that it was the first opportunity that i had really had to spend some time recording um i was in between jobs when that record was made so i you know i, I wasn't you, you i've you know usually i have a full-time job and i'm pretty busy with it so i don't have a whole hell of a lot of time to devote to, to things like that but this was the one time in my life that I, I really did. So I was very pleased with how it turned out. And yeah. And so I think I'd probably point to that one. Okay. How did you meet Nels Klein? Like all these guys, you know, just, just through the scene of being at shows all the time, you know, I think, uh, you know, Nels for many years had a, a Monday night, concert series that he did out of a, a club on the east, uh, the west side of LA called the Alligator Lounge. And I, you know, I'd see every one of those that I possibly could, you know, and over time, you know, you keep seeing the same face in the crowd all the time. You start talking to people and, you know, we, we struck up a conversations and, and ultimately a, a friendship and, you know, another guy who you know was nice enough to sort of offer to to play together at one point and you know that just kind of blossomed into doing a duo project for for a few years and a a few recordings out of it so Mm -hmm. but you know i i i was thinking back on on all these years and these relationships and and stuff and the you know jack and and joe that i've done stuff with and really it just stemmed out of 
going to shows, you know, all the time and seeing these people all the time. And it still sort of blows my mind that, because, you know, there, there's always kind of this, uh, not so much in, in the punk scene, but, you know, there's, there's sort of this, you know, wall between performer and, and you know, audience, you know, but I never experienced that with, with this group of people, you know, it was, a, it was always very welcoming and cool and, and supportive and, you know, feel incredibly lucky for that. You know, I mean, Seth no and Trust, my God, like, you know, and now it's Klein, for fuck's sake. I mean, these are, it's jaw-dropping. You know, I was, you know, even through these relationships, I got to play with Thurston. Yeah. You know, and it's like, my, it still is like out-of-body experience, you know, because I, I hold these people in such high regard, you know, and they shaped, they really shaped my life in, in meaningful uh, meaningful ways, you know, it's like, I don't take that stuff lightly. So I, I feel incredibly blessed that, you know, I've been able to collaborate with some of these people, you know, it's really been quite special. There's an amazing record on when, on the win label called, uh, by a band called Solid Eye, Fruits of yeah. Automation, featuring ex-monitor yeah. member Steve Thompson. Tell everyone about that yeah. record. Yeah, I mean, uh, Solid Eye comes from the LAFMS world here in Los Angeles. And, you know, again, these are guys that um, we just kind of ran in the same circles, you know, um, and we're huge, huge fans of. And, you know, it, it was just an honor that they agreed to do a record for us you know I, I i don't say that lightly these guys are they're just you know they're mavericks in what they do you know and, and they're all they're all very close with tom too so you know they they kind of just got together and and put this amazing record together joseph hammer is somebody that i still am, am friendly with and and you know try to do shows with here and there we did a, a show several months back before all the you know the corona lockdown right we did an improv uh improv thing with a few other folks just really from running in those same circles you know sst connection here with lynn johnston's first we feel record mm -hmm. yeah were you around for any of the cruel frederick jams yeah um for sure you know lynn god I, i'm I don't remember where the first time was. Probably Slovenly, maybe the Slovenly days. Um, and also, Lynn was in a band called Motor Totemist Guild. Mm -hmm. Who, you know, if if Waldo had sort of maybe any peers, or you know, it was probably Motor Totemist would be a band that we were maybe closest to, and and how we approached stuff. Um, we didn't, I, I think we probably played it maybe a show or two together. We weren't like um, a bunch of shows together, but, you know, sort of a similar philosophy, I guess, in how we approached uh, our bands. Um, and we were just huge fans of Lynn, Tom and I, you know, he's just such a, a crazy character, you know, very lovable and, and just an absolutely phenomenal horn player. And, you know, he had guested on some Waldo recordings that we had done and, you know, he used to do, I think we had talked a while back about um, 
the house sort of the jams that Lynn used to do. It was just this revolving cast of people that would come by um, whenever it was, like on Sunday afternoons and jam, you know. So I, I did, you know, a couple of those sometimes. And so it just it eventually led to, to us asking if, you know, he wanted to do a record for us. You know, we're just huge fans of the guy. Tell me about the compilation album, The Poop Alley Tapes, in particular the project you had with Joe Biza and Mike Watt and Bob Lee. Yeah, that project was called Nastasia Filipovna. Um, Joe put that together. Um, and I guess this was probably around, I think it was around 93 or so, 92, 93. Um, we did a, a few live shows together. A little bit of a, I mean, the core of it was me, uh, Bob, and Joe. But there was a couple, you know, revolving guests that would come in. Mike Watt uh, played with us live a couple times, and Ralph Gorodetsky did as well. The only formal recordings that we did were with Tom for the Poop Alley tapes. Uh, one of those tracks uh, is on the comp, and, and Watt is on that. Um, Bob Lee just recently, like literally over the past, I think, month, unearthed the rest of the recordings and put them up on YouTube. So you can listen to those up on his, his YouTube channel. These are from recording sessions with Tom or they're live? Yeah, exactly. With Tom. Okay. Those are the only studio recordings that we did. Poop Alley tapes. It's kind of a, a nod to Radio Tokyo tapes. You know, I mean, at that point, Tom had just been recording so many bands. Um, that it just felt like the logical thing to do is, you know, yeah. see if everybody be into just doing sort of a fun compilation project. And, and really it was pretty staggering the amount of people on it. And it's a scene. Comp. Know, just a, it totally is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I wish it was still in print. Yeah. Uh, speaking of records, I wish we're still in print. You Waldo, backed up Jack Brewer on his Rhythm or Suicide album on New Alliance Records. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that gig? Was that, that was a Waldo gig that he sat in on, I'm assuming? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, as, as I said, you know, he, we'd all kind of like, over time, we'd all just sort of dip in and out of each other's projects and whatnot. And, and, I don't know if I touched on it yet, but, you know, Jack and I kind of met, I guess, initially through the spoken word scene. You know, I I really just held him in such high regard. You know, his, his lyric writing and, and his performance style really spoke to me and was like nothing else I had ever seen before. And, and um, I was doing these poetry chat books at the time um, and had sort of approached him on a whim and said, hey, do you know, do you, would you be into to maybe contributing to one of these and he was nice enough to say yes so that that sort of led to you know projects with jack like that you know he he took a liking to to waldo and and what we were doing and you know so we we would just kind of try to do stuff together when we could you know tell me about your radio show on kxlu yeah so um kxlu part of Loyola Marymount, the campus station. And I, and I, 
that was one of the main reasons why I actually just I wanted to go to that school was because of KXLU. <laughs> I wanted to be a part of it, you know. So the whole time I was there, really from like the first day, you know, I started to the last day I was there, I, I was involved with the station. Um, and I even, after graduating, I stuck on for a couple years um, and did a nighttime specialty show once a week. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was that was an amazing time to be there. Uh, there was a great show called Brain Cookies, which I don't know if you're familiar with. Taste Test Volume um, 1. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, he just, like, week after week after week had the most amazing bands come up and play live, and there was just such great shit going on with that station. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was fun for me because it, it gave me an opportunity to offer some airtime to people that I really liked. Um, like Saccharin and and all those guys and 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 Congress and this was also sort of a, a way that I could start to get to know these people a little bit, you know, by offering them to come up on my show and and do interviews and or play, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. yeah, that that was another sort of important part of my life and and meeting meeting bands. Um, and forging some relationships with people, you know. Yeah, you recorded one of the earliest versions of Universal Congress of on your radio show, I believe. Yeah. And then you started working with the band. I did, yeah. Just, you know, quote-unquote sort of managing. Just You know, this sort of going back to what I was saying about when and, and, you know, my interest in kind of the business end of things. You know, I just, I just was a fan, you know, and I wanted to help them. And it's like, to me, this was the best fucking live band I'd ever seen. You know, it's like anything that I could possibly do in my small way to, to help, I wanted to. So, yeah, I would just, you know, I went out on a couple tours with them just to help Roadie and anything they might need, you know, just organizationally to kind of keep the band moving. I was happy to help them with, you know. Mm-hmm. Plus, it was a great excuse just to to be able to hang with them and see them play every freaking night you know it's just yeah amazing yeah what were those tours like had you been on tour with any of your bands prior to that not like that no i mean waldo did like a west coast run which is probably the easiest run you can do but no i mean i went on a couple i mean they were fucking nuts the way that global was booking things was (laughs) like (laughs) like what the hell man yeah uh they were pretty pretty nuts yeah um they were hard they were hard you know i you have a much greater respect for bands when you see what they have to go through you know i mean that's that's some hard living and and you're doing it because obviously you have a passion for it and a love for it because otherwise you know there's no place to sleep necessarily you're not really getting paid much of anything and you've got these intense crazy drives in between shows you know it's it's really for the love of it so yeah i had an even greater respect for those guys after being on the road and a couple times and seeing how hard it is and then saccharine trust this record that we're talking about this week past lives yeah one of your poems is the first track on the record crazily yes how did (laughs) how did that happen tell me about the show yeah the show was pretty insane i you know i was trying to remember where exactly it was um it was a weird 
one-off show uh, outside, like at County Line, which essentially, if you know the the area at all, would be sort of like, you know, Oxnard Ventura Mm -hmm. uh, area, uh, just sort of a L.A. cutoff. Um, I don't know who the hell's property it was at the time, but... um, these bands just set up in a, in a field essentially and, and did a show. Yeah. So, you know, as I was saying, this was the time that uh, Jack and I were, you know, doing some of the spoken word stuff together. And in the first chat book that he contributed to had just come out, which was called atrophy. And, you know, he, picked out one of my, he had had a copy with him, obviously there at the show. And, and there was a, a down moment. I think you hear Joe breaks the string or something. So right. he, uh, he just picked one of my poems and, and read it. And he ended up, I think that was just um, either just before or just after the tour that they were doing. Uh, he took a whole box of the chat books with him out on the road and sold them, um, which was pretty rad because it was, you know, I would have, this was sort of pre-internet, so I wouldn't have had any other way to get, get that kind of thing out there into the world. So, you know, he was cool enough to, to bring a box with him on tour and and sell them and, and get them out there. So, yeah, I mean, the guy's like, he's just been always so wonderful and supportive and, and it's always meant a great deal to me because I, I, you know, it's funny, you know, you always get these kind of silly, you know, what's your 10 best records, you know, you've ever heard or the best live shows you've ever seen. Still to this day, it's it's without question always for me, number one is Back and Trust, you know, yeah. and for so many reasons. I mean, he's just, both those guys are just, you know, unreal. You know, Jack's his way with words, his, his the way he performed. I mean, there was nobody else, honestly, that could deliver his lyrics the way that he can. You know, I mean, that's that's equal parts of it is is Jack's delivery. What is it about you the know? delivery so, for people that have never seen them? Just the intensity of it. It's it's it, it is the intensity. It's sort of the un, unhinged <laughs> nature yep. of it. Yep. You know, it it always feels like he's pushing it to the absolute brink. You know, and it's like. He's, you know, there's this imaginary cliff edge that he's kind of teetering on, you know, and it's like, Jack, don't jump, don't fall. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's it, it's this incredible sort of dance to watch him do, you know, and, and it's not, I, you know, look, I suppose part of it is theater, but I, I don't really consider it to be. I mean, he's just, he, he gets himself to that point, you know, and it's very genuine. It's legitimate. He's in the moment. Um, he's in the moment what he channels is is real and it's undeniable to me at least you know and and coupled with with joe's style of playing you know it's just there really truly is nothing else like it you know and and i say that you know look i'm mid-50s at this i've seen a million bands at this point you know Mm -hmm. blessed to have seen some absolutely fucking incredible bands in my life thank god you know yeah. but this this, this combination of, of people and, and what they do together is unlike anything i've ever seen you know yeah i was looking at the cover of this record this week 
kind of preparing for this episode and I just looking at Joe Biza and Jack Brewer on the cover and was just struck by, you know, they the fact that they really found each other, I feel like. Yeah. As artists. Yeah. For sure. And and you know, I'm sure uh, like all relationships, I'm sure it's a, a difficult one at times, you know, but thankfully they've stuck it out. You know, I, I don't really quite frankly know the, the future of the band at this stage after, you know, Chris's untimely yeah. uh, passing, which was just horrible. But, you know, I, I hope maybe at some point they can find the, you know, find it in them to get back together and do something. But yeah, if not, you know, we were lucky to, to have all the recordings and, and videos and stuff. Yeah. This recording kind of really does draw. I feel like from almost every era of the band, it's really, yeah. it's really quite something. Do you have a favorite, favorite era? I do. You know, I, we became snakes to me is, is, a close to perfect album, you know, weirdly timeless too. Like I can I, I listen to it today and it's still like as potent as it was the first time I heard it, you know, it doesn't sound dated or, you know, of a particular time or, or era, you know, it was just weirdly them at that time. And there's nothing else really like it. Yeah. That, that record definitely was for me. I maybe, maybe this is a controversial statement for saccharine fans but it's it's really like the pinnacle i think all of all of it culminated in, in as fierce a way as it possibly could i mean the musicianship is of a level that's unparalleled and lyrically it's it's insane and the recording is great and you know it's just yeah. it's untouchable to me yeah what the about fucking cover yeah, the cover is amazing. The cover of this one's really great too. Do you know anything about this? The person that did this artwork, Butch. The front cover, I don't actually know. Hmm. I don't. I mean, the, no. Yeah. Uh, the um, the lettering, of course, is Joe, and and the photography. You know, Martin Lyon did so many photos for them, but hmm. I'm not exactly sure who did the cover. I thought it might be. Joe Biza under a pseudonym or something. Yeah, it, it does of, look like Joe. It does, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Devin? What are your plans musically? Are you still doing music? I am, yeah. Um, I put out, um, last year I put out a, a quote-unquote archive project, you know, going through old boxes and stuff. I realized I had all these cassette tapes and you know, different recordings that I had never really done anything with that um, I figured I might as well, you know, now or, or never, I suppose. So I put together a, a digital release of a lot of these recordings. And then the fun part of it for me was a companion zine, which was limited, very limited. And I just, you know, all the flyers, because I'm fastidiously sort of save, you know, every goddamn fragment of you know anything that's a good thing so i had all you know flyers for every show i've ever done and clippings and photos and stuff like that also that i was like well why did i, I must have saved this stuff for a reason so <laughs> i decided I'd, I'd pour some of it into a zine so that was sort of the last 
major recording thing that I've done, and and then I've got a couple projects. But you know, it's it's weird though, just with this whole COVID thing. You know, it's kind of put the brakes on everything. So I had been doing a project, uh, a duo project, with a woman, Angela Wilson, who plays modular synth. Um, that I, I really, really love. Um, it's a real special project to me. And, and we have plans for uh, hopefully a cassette release coming up here soon of some live recordings. And, and we, you know, be, before all this COVID stuff, we had been doing file trade recordings. Oh, yeah. So I think we'll probably continue to do that and maybe put something more formal together. Hmm. It's weird, you know, I, all these years, I'm always like, I never have time to concentrate on creative <laughs> stuff because I'm working and this and that. And then it's not COVID hit. You yeah. know? And it's like you have all the fucking time in the world on your hands. And I just haven't been motivated to to do stuff. It's just been such a, a, a head, you know, a mind fuck, this whole yeah. thing. But but hopefully I'll... <laughs> well, I was going to say you did, it, you did it backwards. You're supposed to do your archival project during COVID. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> hindsight i guess hey yeah. i should do something during covid at yeah. Least. yeah where can people find you you said it's released digitally is there a Bandcamp page or or something there is yeah, yeah. just my name devin sarno Bandcamp, or you can go to my website to devinsarno.com and there's links to all of it there okay cool right on devin thanks so much for being on the show today i really appreciate it Oh man, thank you. I, you know, I, I feel like I know you and Ryan after listening to you know a hundred some odd podcasts, and really like I, I gotta say, like as a as a longtime SST fan, like I could not believe this was even happening that you guys are taking this on, and and I'm so thankful that you did because it's it's rad to kind of relive these records and hear people talk about them and. Um, there, it, it was a real, obviously an incredibly special label and, and seminal releases, you know, like, yeah, yeah. it's just, it, I really have to offer doing it. I, I as Thank a fan you. sitting here listening, <laughs> I so appreciate it. It's been oh, great. Well, I appreciate you saying that. So thank you. Take care, man. You got it. You too. All right. Very cool to hear from Devin. Glad, uh, to have him on the show because honestly, I would have never, ever pieced together who the reference to Devin is at the beginning of this recording. Like, uh, that was complete news to me. But also interesting is just uh, all the connections that Devin was spieling about in that interview. Like, uh, so cool to hear about that. And as I mentioned right before the interview, like, he's definitely a huge fan and definitely the the live saccharine trust left an impression on him and it comes across on the record too there's some insane moments on this record yeah devin is a great guy he's definitely coming to our rap party for we, sure when we finish this up all expenses paid for the spoken word component too right like right. right right before the bands hit the stage we'll do some spoken word for sure yeah so here's what i liked about the interview uh, that win record scene it, to me it reminds me of like for example the PJD with <laughs> with treacherous jaywalkers I just yeah. love the you know when you that's punk rock you build your own community yeah and your community is really tight knit in the days before the internet right yeah 
and and you don't go like oh no you don't really fit because i've got so much selection i can pick and choose to make everything fit my scene no you you put all those disparate parts together and that's what makes your scene cool yeah definitely you know everyone should check out you know some of the go on discogs and look up win records and track some of these records down there's some good stuff if you like sst bands you'll like some of the stuff on win for sure yeah like cut which we've yeah. mentioned on the show before right yep he mentioned in the interview ryan the magnetone records that are owned by slug which tom grimley pl plays in i was wondering if you were a fan of slug they seem like a band you would be into heck yes yeah okay the another band that people should track down is this natasia Filipovna that devin played in with uh Joe Biza and Bob Lee, who of course was in Clawhammer, Fitted, uh, the, he plays in the Black Gang, the Bobley Men, Crawl Space, and Watt sat in with that band sometimes. So there's a cool track on that wind comp, the Poop Alley Tapes. Uh, there's also some stuff up on Bob Lee's YouTube channel that was live on KXLU from 93 and also a 1994 studio recording. Uh, and if you want to check it out, uh, Devin has a cool primer to kind of his career uh, called Archive that he mentions in the interview. It came out yep. last year. Uh, there on there, there's a track and that was recorded at Al's Bar in 94, and it features Jack Brewer on vocals, actually. We did talk a little bit in the interview about his radio show, Jazz Damage, on KXL-UFM. He sent me a cool ad. He sent me a bunch of great stuff, but he sent me an ad for his Jazz Damage show with art by Joe Biza, so we'll be posting that. He also has a SoundCloud page, Devin has, that we've mentioned before, called UCO Boots, with a bunch of amazing live Universal Congress of tracks, including some amazing early ones from his radio show with Joe Biza, Jason Kahn, Mike Watt, Steve Moss, and Lynn Johnston, circa 1987. Uh, we mentioned that uh, Splat Winger. I think is the guy's name that had a show on KXLU and you can hear a lot of that stuff on the taste test number one. His show was called Brain Cookies and it's that's all over as you know the SST scene. Fire oh, yeah. Hose, UCO, Overpass, Always August, Criminy, Paper Bag, Lawndale, Roger Miller, D. Boone. Yeah good call out on your part during the interview on that taste test comp. Nice one. Yeah. Yeah, so check out our, our pages this week. Devin gave us a whole bunch of posters and uh, some poetry stuff. Oh, nice. From that scene. So, Okay, Ryan, so Past Lives, it came out on CD, 2LP, and cassette. Uh, it came out in 1989. So this is, I think, definitely our first record in 1989, although hmm. we are going to go back to 1987, I think, right after this. For sure we will be. Yeah, this one looks like a catalog number that was taken off the shelf, too, when I look at the catalog and the releases, you know, because I have I have the 1989 catalog and Sacron Trust Past Lives is mentioned as like new coming out. But there's a ton of hmm. items that, that were released like at later catalog numbers, too. Yeah. Okay, there's uh, 22 tracks with a running time of 1 hour 13 minutes. This is not the first double LP on SST. Of course, Double Nickels, Everything Went Black, Zen Arcade, probably some other ones. No Age. No Age, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. 
Uh, but I'm pretty sure this is the first double live LP. Oh, I think so, yep. Uh, the back cover says it contains seven unreleased tracks, which I took to mean there was possibly some Saccharin Live release that, that I was unaware of that uh, previous to this that had some of these tracks on it. But Craig Abara, actually, uh, who wrote the amazing A Wailing of a Town book, uh, which has a chapter on early Saccharin Trust, he clarified for me, it just refers to the seven songs on here that don't appear as studio versions on other releases. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I was trying to figure out, okay, which are, well, we'll go through this in history lesson part two. I was trying to figure it out and I'm like, no, nah, that one is on, you know, this record. So I, I can't get to seven, but if we're talking about live, then I get it. Yeah, I got the seven, pretty sure. Brent, before we do the tracks, can I hit you with a spiel out of the trouser press on this record? Yeah, man, please do. Okay, here's what it says about past lives in the trouser press record guide. Past Lives paints a slightly more complete, if less stark, picture of Saccharin Trust's awesome live capabilities as both inward-looking improvisers and kick-out-the-jams shaman. Quick cuts between the two facets that also crisscross chronological order create some jarring juxtapositions, but that's probably the idea. Only one song is repeated from World Broken, the seven tracks that are otherwise unavailable include one rare glimpse of the band, spiritual lampshades on heads, ripping through Black Flag's six-pack. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll maybe do this when we get to the tracks, but are we sufficiently gushing about this record? Like, how I was, I was grooving pretty hard to this record, man. Oh, yeah, I was loving it too. And th the other thing that I really liked about it was it, it doesn't sound like old Saccharin Trust with later era Saccharin Trust. It's very cohesive, like despite what it just said in the Trouser Press about it being juxtaposed, it totally fits together. The Pagan Icon stuff up against the sax tracks, um, up against the spoken word. It's awesome. Like I, I was totally digging it and I was really getting... Um, more so than on the world broken record, I guess, um, what type of, uh, like a force of nature saccharine trust would be live. Oh, yeah, hey, yeah, for sure. Let's do the tracks then, Ryan. History lesson part two. Okay, Ryan, I'm going to be talking about who plays on these tracks, but just know that unless I say otherwise, Tony Cicero's the drummer. <laughs> he plays on, I think all but two of these tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so bass too. bass player that... That swaps out the most. Well, Fitzer's on most yeah. of them, right? Okay, track one, side one. Devin's poem, which is credited to Devin Sarno. Recorded by Phil Newman, of course, of Spinhead Studios, Painted Willie. This one has Bob Fitzer on bass, Steve Moss on sax, live in Ventura, 9-27-86. Possibly at a house party, I think Devin says in the interview. Yeah. Uh, the song starts with a broken string, and Jack mentions a poetry book they're selling, featuring some people we've heard about, like Gary Jacoboli. And while Steve, Bob, and Tony jam, Jack reads a very cool poem written by Devin from the book. Uh, his delivery, of course, is amazing, and it ends with him going $3. <laughs> and as I mentioned, <laughs> Devin sent some, you know, some of the stuff from these poetry chat books, including one called Piranha with artwork by Gary Jacoboli. Cool. 
you can pick it out right away because it's very similar to the We Became Snakes artwork. Also, he sent me the cover of Jack's poetry book, No Lunch. So that'll be cool. Uh, this is one of the seven unreleased tracks. Yeah. And then we go right into track two, A Human Certainty. It kind of goes right into it, written by Brewer and Biza. Recorded by Ron Morgan, who played in a San Francisco band called Bay of Pigs. I don't know how it is that he recorded this, but this was recorded at the Stone in San Francisco uh, the same night that they recorded SS SST's The Tour. Uh, and this recording is from that show, March 1st, 1985. It also features Merrill Ward on backing vocals. And Swa played before Sac and Trust that night, so it makes sense that uh, Merrill was there. Same rhythm section as the previous track, uh, Fitzer and Cicero, which is um, the We Became Snakes lineup of the, the final lineup of the band. This is a blistering version of this yep. song. Yeah, for sure. But what is okay? Okay goes something like this, and then Bob peels off a gnarly little bass solo. Yeah, there's some serious bass shredding on this record, man. Yeah. You can definitely pick out Merrill on the chorus. And the studio version of this is from the Pagan Icons record. This song, I probably mentioned this when we did Pagan Icons, and I bet, kind of reminds me of the Dead Kennedy song, Moon Over Marin. Yep. Something about it. Yeah, it also reminded me a bit, and it still does, of a Joy Division sound. Just like the next song, Our Discovery the bass line kind of gives me some Joy Division vibes. Mm, yeah. Yeah, Our Discovery, written by Brewer, Biza, Hodson, and Cicero, recorded by Steve Corbin, a.k.a. Mugger. Again, recorded at the Stone, this time August 26, 1984. So that was the same night as Black Flag recorded Live 84, and the same night as the first October Faction record was recorded. And the liner notes for the Black Flag album say it was recorded to 8-track. Uh, this one has Mark Hodson on bass, so it's Surviving You Always era. Cool atmospheric opening with uh, some wind chimes. You can hear Biza's uh, amazing guitar tone on this one. Kind of reminds me of something Sonic Youth might do, this song. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, the studio version of this song is on Surviving You Always. Yeah. This, our discovery was one of my highlights. Track four, Young Lamb, Biza, Brewer, Watt, and Cicero. Engineered by Sam Winnens and Glenn Alup. Recorded by Dave O'Clausen, Dave Levine. This one is recorded live at McCabe's Guitar Shop in Santa Monica, June 9th, 85, by Tempo Sound. So this would have been a leftover from the World Broken session. Which was, yeah. which was an improvised live recording they did, which was instigated and arranged by Joe Carducci, which Watt played bass on. I, you can listen to our interview with Joe Biza and hear how that all happened. This, is, this would make this unreleased song number two, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw a young lamb playing with its <laughs> executor. <laughs> or what you, this is the shortest track on the record of 55 seconds. Okay, track five, Six Pack, of course, written by Greg Ginn, recorded on Rat Soundboard. Doesn't give a date, but likely on tour with Black Flag in 84 or 85. 
And I'm just guessing that because Kira Rossler and Dave O'Clausen do backing vocals on it. Yeah. Bob Fitzer's on bass. It was also recorded by Davo. Uh, Jack's intro to this song rules. Yeah. <laughs> this time with feeling and emotion for the first time. For the first time, yeah. yeah. From By a famous band that just couldn't get the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> he changes up the lyrics a little bit too, which is, is really cool. This would be unreleased track number three. Yeah. And then track six. Catcracker, Biza, Hodson, and Cicero are credited as the writers. Rod, Ron Morgan again at the Stone. So this is again from the tour recordings. Biza does vocals on this one. You can see it on YouTube or on the VHS if you own it like Ryan does of the tour. <laughs> uh, I like this song and Biza's great. Uh, but for me, Jack is the voice of Saccharine Trust. Oh yeah. No, I like everything off Surviving You except Peace Frog. Yeah. <laughs> Biza's playing, of course, totally rules. The studio version is on Surviving You Always. Uh, and that one has Rick Cox on sax. No sax on this one, I don't think. And then we flip it over. And we start with 2 Samuel Chapter 4, which is credited as traditional. I'm assuming because I think this is just the lyrics are lifted directly out of the Bible. Mark Hodson on bass, recorded by Steve Corbin. I'm assuming many of these are just board tapes, especially the ones recorded by Steve. Uh, the Stone in San Francisco, 84 again. Um, Gary Jacoboli in the Wailing of a Town book refers to Jack's spiritual apocalypse lyrics and his religious suffering tirades, which this definitely falls into that category. Brewers oh, yeah. really preaching in this one. I prefer the version of this that's on World Broken a little bit more than this one. But uh, yeah, World World Broken is definitely a little bit more like um, evangelical. Yeah, if I can put it that way. Yeah, this one's still super cool, and Brewers are, Brewers amazing on it. And his name was Mishalashi. <laughs> Okay, track two, I have Brewer and Biza. Wrote that one. Mark Hodson on bass, so it's Surviving You Always era. The Stone in San Francisco, recorded by Mugger. This is the first track on Pagan Icons, the studio version. And it comes ripping right out of the gate. Uh, it's rocking, but pretty tame by Saccharin Trust standards. You can tell it's an early track. Yeah. Track three, The Giver Takes written by Brewer and Biza, a highlight for me for sure. This is from the same show, an all-time classic. This is a bitchin' version of it. This is the first track off Surviving You Always, the studio one. And I think probably a set opener too, because this version ends with Brewer kind of announcing the band. You know, good evening, we are Saccharin Trust. Mm-hmm, yeah. Track four, Express Yourself, written by Charles Wright. Live at CBGB, no date listed, probably 86 or near the end because Bob Fitzer's on bass and Steve Moss is on sax. There's a great bootleg of them at Maxwell's in 86 on the site, the Mackenzie Tapes. So I know they toured out, out to the East Coast. That's a site with a bunch of great recordings by this guy, David Mackenzie, who worked at Maxwell's in New Jersey. So if you haven't checked that out, you definitely should. 
Charles Wright wrote and released the original of this in 1970. It's his signature song. Reached number 12 on the Billboard charts. It's been covered a number of times and sampled a lot by hip-hop artists. It's cool for a few listens. Great solos by Steve and Joe. Yeah, the, sa- the sax is what saves it for me because otherwise it's a bit, eh, yeah. whatever. But it is unreleased track number four. Yep, numero cat. Yep. Then we go to track five, Take Us Now, credited to Fitzer, Brewer, Biza, Moss, and Cicero. This is another one from CBGB's in New York. Uh, I love how they double the guitar and sax. And this, oh, one, yeah. this one is my favorite thing that they do, where it builds into a total scronking frenzy with Brewer just coming totally unhinged. Yeah. Yeah, this is... This is one of those lineups with the sax live where you're like, oh yeah, this would have been insane. Yeah. This would be unreleased track number five. Track six, For Her While. On Track six on side two, that is. Fitzer, Brewer, Biza, and Cicero. Recorded live at KPFK FM Studios. August 17th, 1985, which that's a listener supported radio station in LA. It's still going and they're actually having their annual pledge drive right now. So listener supported community radio is always a good thing to support. Fitzer's tone and style remind me a lot of Watt at times. For me, Joe Biza is the star on this one. Uh, Great playing some cool post-punk Keith Levine riffs. This is a highlight on We Became Snakes and also a highlight here for me. Agreed. All right, we're half done the record, Ryan. Did you go back and listen to any of these again, like the LPs? A little bit, yeah. Some of these tracks I listened to compared to the studio versions. Yeah, the only two I went back to listen to were We Became Snakes and Surviving You Always. Like Those are the two most solid ones for me. And I know people are probably going to they're, they might cancel me because Pagan Icons is not there, but but we became snakes and surviving you always, man. Yeah. Those are the ones. I agree. Okay, record number two. So this would be C1. Speak, Brewer, Biza, and Cicero. As I mentioned, this is our ballot result pick on surviving you always. Uh, again, from the tour recordings, Bob Fitzer is on it, so it's the final lineup. Great lyrics. On this one, use me, humiliate me, touch me, confuse me, hold me, eliminate me, fuck me. (laughs) Uh, C2, Effort to Waste, credited to Brewer Biza. One of two tracks with the Pagan Icons lineup. That's Earl Liberty on bass and Rob Holtzman on drums. This is from the Milestone in North Carolina, December 1981. The Milestone... uh, was a club in Charlotte, North Carolina. I know they toured out to DC in 1981 with Black Flag and stayed at the Discord house while Black Flag went over to to England. So I'm assuming this is from that tour. Sounds like a line check to me. Like maybe they're doing a line check right before this. Cool to have live like a live recording of this lineup though. Agreed. Yeah. And then we do Effort to Waste part 2. Another one from CBGB's. This has Bob Fitzer on bass. The studio versions from We Became Snakes. This is killer. All the stuff with sax on it is better for me. It just suits their sound so perfectly. 
Oh yeah, it works. Some people, well, some bands force sax into the band, but it fits this so much, and I, I just gets me pumped for more. Brewer buys a Universal Congress of records when we get there. I'm totally opposed to forced sax. <laughs> okay track four a lasting thought for a dying cell written by brewer it made me think of the project jack had prior to saccharine trust with marshall mellow called the obstacles oh yeah right i've got that yeah there's a tape on water under the bridge uh, of acoustic demos jack talks a lot about his early guitar playing in a in the wailing of a town book too this one's all jack just acoustic guitar and vocals it's pretty cool Engineered by Ethan James, produced by, by Harvey Kubernick, the music journalist uh, who kind of instigated a lot of the early L.A. spoken word scene and produced the great records on freeway records like English as a Second Language and Voices of the Angels. This was recorded at Radio Tokyo in 1982. Who knows, maybe this is like an extra from the Radio Tokyo tapes or something. I know, yeah, I, maybe. I know there's an acoustic. I think volume two. Or volume three is all acoustic. I can't remember. I thought maybe this was off of that, but I couldn't find it anywhere. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna call this one unreleased track number six. Yeah, the acoustic Radio Tokyo tapes. That's volume three, and there's no Brewer on it that I can see. Yeah. Well, who knows where this track came from? But uh, I'm calling it unreleased number six. Do it. Okay, track five, the need. Written by Brewer, arranged by Biza, recorded by John Vogue and Les G at the Anti Club in Hollywood, September 11th, 1986. So right near the end of the band. Maybe even like one of their last shows. Yeah. Kind of a ballad, saccharine style. This is a track off of the We Became Snakes record, originally. Then we have Hearts and Barbarians, Brewer and Biza, another of the very early ones from the Charlotte show in 1981 with Earl and Rob as the rhythm section. This is, of course, from uh, New Alliance Records 001, Cracks in the Sidewalk. And if I'm remembering right, it's the first Saccharine Trust song, or one of them anyways. One of the very first, you betcha. Super trashy sounding, this era. And then we have unreleased song number seven, No Lunch, credited to Fitzer, Brewer, Biza, Moss, and Cicero. There's no listing on the album for where and when this was recorded. It's from the final lineup, so I'm guessing We Became Snakes Tour. Sack steals the show on this one. I'm guessing this was a new song that they never recorded. It's too structured to be, like, improvised. Yeah, it's not improv. And with Fitzer and Moss on it, it, I agree. It's got to be later era and just didn't make a studio version. Yeah. I'm guessing the lyrics are a poem from the chapbook Devin mentions in the interview of Jack's, because his book is called yep. No Lunch. No Lunch, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is a good one. It's my favorite of the unreleased tracks, for sure. It's nice and funky. Yeah. And then we're closing out with side four. Your favorite, Peace Frog, which is a door <laughs> song written by Morrison and Krieger. Uh the best part about this is the is Brewer's intro. With your kind permission, we would very much like to take it upon ourselves to rock the fuck out of you. <laughs> that is its one saving grace for me. 
Yeah. Yeah. This, like I mentioned, it's a Doris cover they recorded for Surviving You Always. Uh, this is, again, is from the tour. You can see this on YouTube. Brewer's kind of doing, you know, the James Brown, Wayne Kramer move where you kind of plant one foot and then wiggle the other one really fast across the stage to kind of make it look like you're floating. <laughs> Jack, Jack Brewer's kind of doing that, but falling down and stuff. Cedric from the Mars Volta does that move really well, too. Okay, track two on side four, We Became Snakes, written by Fitzer, Brewer, Biza, and Cicero. Steve Moss on sax, recorded by Phil Newman, so it's the same show as the first track, Devin's Poem. It's the longest track, seven minutes. Biza plays some blues to kind of intro the song. This song just rules so hard, and it's such a great recording. And it's part of a one-two punch to end the album because we end with Frankie on a Pony, written by Joe Biza. Another CBGB recording. This one and the previous one are both on We Became Snakes. It's a great intro to close the album, and everyone gets a solo on that one, so it's a good way to, to close it out. Yeah, agreed. Here's a review I found, Ryan, on All Music by John Dugan. If by this point you you have developed a Jones for Saccharin Trust's post-hardcore semi-improvisation jazz rock, then this CD, over an hour of live recordings covering a period of eight years, should find a place in your collection. For a vault-clearing compilation, there is very little bullshit and lots of inspired bashing and wailing, making this a great purchase for lovers of the arcane and far out. At its best, Past Lives is astonishing. A hint at how good, warts and all, this band could be. Yeah, it's solid. That's true. Like, sometimes a live record can really suffer for a bunch of crap on it, but this one is not like that at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I was really loving this record. I'm a little bit depressed that we're not going to get any more saccharin on the show. Yeah, well, we'll have some Biza and Brewer to come for sure. That's true. Should we talk about the artwork? Yeah, man. So Craig Abera told me he did the layout for this. The band supplied the front cover artwork and the photos of Joe and Jack. And I'm pretty sure the photo of Joe and Jack is actually a Naomi Peterson promo photo, but I could be wrong about that. I don't think she's credited as the front cover photographer. Not specifically. The, yeah. But she I is think it's actually credited to Martin Lyon. But I think that might be wrong. Because I've seen that promo photo where Joe Biz is wearing what he's wearing. And uh, that's a Naomi Peterson photo. Well, possibly Joe just wore that outfit a lot too. <laughs> that's true could be true uh they provided the collage on the back uh craig abera did the rest by hand including all the printing which he says he realized afterwards is similar to joe Biza's writing which devin and i both assumed that it actually was the artwork on the front cover uh, looks like a pen and ink drawing by an artist called butch uh it really looks reminiscent to joe Biza's artwork yeah, for sure. The cover concept is credited to Lion Biza Brewer. Um, I think it might be a Sacharin Trust concert, maybe, in the drawing. Definitely there is a drum set with the Sacharin Trust cross and snake on the front, on stage, with a big cross behind it. And there's one person, it appears to be just the drummer, in a theater 
playing to a crowd of, it looks like, you know, a crowd of bald guys just sitting there. <laughs> they all have the same haircut. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a, a woman in the foreground in a bathing suit. And it, it seems kind of out of place. I'm sure there's a concept, but I'm not getting it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a giant cross on stage that looks like it's falling over. A couple giant speaker columns. I'm not sure what Jack is holding between his fingers there in the photo either. It looks like an egg. Yeah, maybe. Uh, they look great in that photo. I love their glasses and yes. hats. Yeah. And Jack's shirt is totally cool. Yeah, look at his uh, the shoulder embroidery on his suit jacket too, hey? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yowza. You've got on the CD, there's the Pettibone logo with the snake and the cross, which is a pretty awesome logo for sure. Really? Uh, Not on my CD. No? No. Maybe I've got a different pressing of the CD or something. Do you mean like the, mm. the, the label on the LP? I'm talking the back of the CD. Oh, the back cover. Yep, I've got it. Yep. Yep. Uh, the collage, though, I think is what you're talking about. I'm assuming that's got everyone who played in the band. Photos credited to Pat Benson... Martin Lyon, Victor Sedillo, Naomi Peterson, and Ed Culver. Yeah, I can pick out a fair amount of people. Definitely Watt sticks out a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so does uh, Joe in those wicked shades. Yeah, and there's a, for sure. There's a couple of, uh, or at least one, like a skull, just randomly in there. Yeah. I don't know, great packaging for me. For a great album way to cap off their career this is like if you love a band this is what exactly what you want you know a career capping compilation you know yeah no it's good ballot result yeah man ballot result all right so peace frog <laughs> <laughs> no thanks no thanks i i mean i kind of gave it away but I definitely like the surviving you always and we became snakes tracks, but, um, I, I kind of like the fact that we've got some exclusives on here and, uh, a couple of those really stick out to me, but what, what are you into? I don't think I picked any of the exclusives for my favorites. I liked our discovery to Samuel chapter four, really? the give or takes take mm -hmm. us now for her while. And we became snakes. Honestly, I would put We Became Snakes on if it was my... Yeah, let's do it. I won't fight you on that. It's a great one. All right. Hey, thanks to Devin for being on the show and for sharing all of the posters and artwork, as well as the press kit. Really helped out on the episode. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Ryan, what's next week? Next week, Brant, we're heading back to one of your faves. It's SST-150, the Meat Puppets record, Huevos can't wait hey everyone thanks for listening you can find us on facebook instagram twitter tumblr all at mojack pod we post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show our blog is mojackpod.com please check it out for some exclusive content if you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.